Hello, thanks for joining us on the Cats by 90 podcast brought to you by SB Nations, the Sea of Blue. Big Blue Drew, Aaron Gershon here on a Thursday night, which will be our last podcast of the regular season for basketball, which I was thinking about before we started this, Aaron, like how that feels. And it's just like ever since COVID, it's just kind of blends together and feels like very fast and slow all at the same time. So just, I don't know, range of emotions, man. It's weird to think that probably one year ago, I guess we were, you know, kind of speculating on what COVID-19 could do to the SEC basketball tournament. And um, I remember you specifically were a lot more um, inclined to think it was going to be something impactful than I was. And here we are a year later and holy crap. Yeah, holy crap is right. But it seems like, you know, as far on the COVID front, uh, looks like there's light at the end of the tunnel here. I know vaccines are pouring out. I personally got mine on Tuesday first dose. So very excited about that. And Excited to go see my grandma once I'm fully done and all that. So uh, it's been a crazy year, but sports-wise, I feel like they've made the most of this season as possible. Obviously, this is a weird year, um, but, you know, it's been – I mean, there's been some bumps in the road, but for the most part, other than, you know, the lack of attendance and maybe enthusiasm in the buildings, uh, it feels like a pretty normal year. The only problem is uh, – you know, Kentucky at the end of the year, we're talking about them wanting to get number nine, but not the ninth championship, uh, a ninth regular season win. Yeah, I thought that was good. I saw that too. Very true. And I don't know, man, I, the season definitely has to be something was different about it. I, you know, I think from a preparation and standpoint, just because of all the blue bloods missing, I just is still intriguing to me on the grand scale of things. But you're right from a COVID standpoint. I mean, especially like you think about like the Super Bowl went off without a hitch, pretty much like all the stuff with um, professional sports. So you're right, man. Hopefully with the vaccines and stuff, everything clears up. But um, I did. So I did Big Blue Insider yesterday and uh, Curtis Birch, our boy, was hosting. And, you know, we, we reminisced on our road trip to Kansas City, which will, you know, in all likelihood be the last tournament game for the University of Kentucky for three calendar years, which is just <laughs> unbelievable to say. Yeah, that is insane. And obviously I was down there in Jacksonville the uh, weekend before with you. And if you were to have told me that, that would be the second to last weekend of tournament basketball. We'd see uh, Kentucky playing uh, until 2022, but, you know, assuming they'll be back there next year, let's not get, I mean, I, I would think they'll be back. Anything could happen, but yeah, it, it is wild unless there's a miracle. Um, that's the situation we're looking at. And what's crazy about it, if you think about it, Kentucky football has played in two bowl games in that span. and It'll probably be three by then. It is. It's absolutely nuts just to, to think about that. And you're right on it. I don't want to think about <laughs> the idea of them not making it next year. Who knows? I mean, there's still a tiny glimmer of hope. I mean, that's why college basketball is great, which, you know, we'll talk about the SEC tournament a little bit. But in the thing, too, man, just what a punch in the gut. So then the last tournament memory to cling on is in freaking overtime loss in the Elite Eight, which is about as, you know, gut punching as it gets. So that part's <laughs> shitty, but – um, again, you're right. A lot of good stuff with football. And at least if nothing else, man, you, you made a good point on that. At least, you know, sports are getting played. That's ultimately all we wanted this summer and stuff. And, and oh, we got it. But now we're here and it's kind of depressing. So, you know, every week, man, it's like we're back and forth. I'm, you know, you can convince me that this team has turned the corner and, you know, they're going to make some noise in Nashville. And then, boom, we're back to kind of reality now. This team just not being very good. And the idea of them winning four games in a row is like, you know, pretty far-fetched. But to start, man, so I kind of put out on our Twitter page, make sure you're following us, at CatsBy90 on Twitter, checking out a Sea of Blue and all that stuff. 
Um, but just ask anybody, kind of like a mailbag, if you had any questions or angry statements you wanted just to get off your chest. And a couple people hit us up. So shout out to uh, John Michael Martin. Make sure you're following him at J Mike Martin. Um, his basically just had a general question. So um, have y'all noticed a change in Coach Cal's recruiting approach? Or is the loss of top assistance just made a huge difference? So I just kind of uh, appreciate the question too, but just like generalize that, which is just all week, man. I feel like it's been Aaron um, just kind of talking about the recruiting philosophy of John Calipari. This team, is it going to blow up? Our guy's going to come back. And um, I equated it more, man. I'll, def- I'll let you go. But basically thinking that I, to me, it's more of like ch- changing styles of play and like keeping up with the game than it is like, position here position there because we know I was going to be kind of looking for shooters in the new style of play so I don't really know the answer I think everyone wants a quick answer and it's such a complicated topic but um, I'll give you a stab at it I guess man so you, do you think Cal is kind of losing it in recruiting or is it just time for a philosophy change or what yeah I, I think it's a philosophy change I don't I wouldn't say they're losing it because they still you know this class I think this class simply they just under they overestimated what they were getting here. I mean, obviously, no one, no one could have anticipated the shitty year Brandon Boston has had. I mean, he has just been miserable. He's his uh, three-point average, his average from the field, are both among the worst in Kentucky history. For anyone that's played twenty games or more, it's just been a dreadful year for a guy who is a McDonald's All-American and the best team on a player that featured LeBron James's son. So it's just stunning what's happened with him. And obviously Terrence Clark, you know, it's a massive disappointment. Obviously he wasn't playing all that great when he was healthy, but he hasn't been healthy. He played, I think, what, six, seven, six games maybe? Maybe even less. I don't even know. It, not, not enough. So your two best players have been, you know, complete and utter misses. And then, you know, you kind of anticipated Devin Askew was going to be a project, and he's been everything exactly that. Uh, you have not gotten anything near what they thought they'd get out of Olivier Saar, which was the center to put him over the top. Really the only guy on this roster, and even Keon Brooks has been a disappointment in year two. We thought there would be a big jump. He starts the year without playing for, you know, until mid-January, and he hasn't been that great when he's been out there with the exception of a game or two. So I think they just totally overestimated uh, the talent on this team. Um, they just didn't evaluate it correctly. And I do think a new philosophy is needed. I think it's still too early to know what's happening uh, with next year's class because they only have, what, uh, one transfer and three high school kids lined up and two of them are four stars and you have a five-star forward. So it feels really the, the types of players they have signed up for next year, newcomer-wise, feel pretty similar uh, to the Calipari style, which is more, you know, the physical – uh, you would physical guys more than the shooters. So I, I don't know if I like that. I definitely think they need to get more shooting somehow, some way. Um, but I, th- I think it's just too early to tell. Let's see what this class looks like for 2021 once it's done. From a general perspective, what really clouds the argument to me is, you know, going back to his question is kind of stating, you know, what are we doing as far as like top to bottom, you know, still five-star guys like BJ Boston, um, is that still the go-to? Like, what's the move there? But it clouds it because we didn't get that. You know, that's just on the surface. You know, it's not like we got a top five player coming out of high school and it just ultimately didn't work. Like, he didn't pan out to be that. And it could be the same thing if you just go out there and you're trying to get, you know, three dead-eye shooters in each class. Like, if they come in here and are throwing up bricks, like, 
it's not necessarily a philosophy problem. It's just, it's complicated. I just don't know what you can really do to change your recruiting style that much. Because again, I always go back to the fact that this roster has those guys on it. Devin Askew, Lance Ware, you know, you thought Cameron Fletcher was going to be a guy. Maybe he'll stick around and, and do some of that stuff. So there's pieces here that were going to be those multi-year guys that in theory you were going to already sprinkle in with, with some of the top guys coming in. But who knows? Nolan Hickman, I think, could, you know, really surprise some people. But this roster, and is either going to – like it could stick together and bring back like a good core group of guys or it could completely blow up in like a bazillion different scenarios. And it's all going to yeah. start, I guess, you know, the I, dominoes will start falling in the next probably, you know, 10 days to two weeks or whatever. But it is just going to be a much more um, – complicated offseason than typical for Kentucky and they're yeah. normally quite complicated yeah and I think it's probably going to split somewhere in the middle of the two extremes I think that I think Terrence Clark's a goner I think BJ Boston despite not having a good year is probably a goner um, Isaiah Jackson's the one guy in this on this team I really think is uh, worthy of a first round selection or even just getting selected in all uh, I think he's a goner and you know I I don't see Olivier Sar coming back. I don't think he's an NBA guy. I think he is probably going to go overseas. Remember, he's a French native. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes plays uh, professionally over there. He wanted to go professional after last year, and Danny Manning, uh, the coach of Wake Forest, told him not to, and, of course, they fired Danny Manning, and that left Sar already after the NBA uh, draft deadline unable to, you know, enter his name. So I think he's a goner. Um, I do think Askew comes back. I think Keon Brooks comes back. Uh, that's just a hunch. I just can't see. He's a smart kid. I mean, he'll know uh, that he needs a third year for sure. Um, I do think Mintz, like I said, will come back for a sixth year. Um, and then looking elsewhere, I mean, you would think Lance Ware's a lock to come back as long as he's not transferring out. Uh, the guy, I think they really, the rest of the guys on the roster, I think, come back. The question mark from a transfer standpoint has to be Dante Allen. Because yeah. weird, he can when he's on, he can shoot. But he is, and Cal's right for not playing him. I think at this point, it's he's such a liability on defense. And when he's not shooting, there's no real value there. I mean, I hate to be point blank about it, but that's that's the truth with him. So if they're not going to get consistent shooting from him, he's already been not a good defender. It might be in the best, um, you know, best move for both parties to move on, especially with all the media buzz and fan base buzz. Maybe Allen just needs to go somewhere where he's the last known guy and do his thing. Well, my boy loves his cryptic social media tweets or, oh. you know, posts all the time. That's you know, like, you always think he's going to, you know, be gone. It's always something so cryptic, like read between the lines, I'm not happy or whatever it is. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's multiple people, transfer candidates. I think it's going to be like that all the time with the floodgates opening um, and all the possibilities and ways you can move around schools. And, I mean, gosh – eight wins I mean who knows it's going to be like I said absolutely anything can really happen we haven't even talked about it. I mean there's still a recruiting class you know left to go to I mean so Cal's gonna you know be adding more pieces to the puzzle just from from high school whether whatever Jaden Hardy does and all that kind of stuff so um, but I guess we can talk about it. season's not over yet you know so Kentucky still has the game I'm covering the game too Saturday I'm pretty hype I'll be in Rupp Arena um, last one so I got opportunity to do that so um, pretty irrelevant game, you know, just see if the Cats can do anything to tune up and find some energy, get some momentum rolling, and then see what the tournament in Nashville looks like. But um, roll through the SEC tournament breakdown real quick, Aaron. We can go there. I know you were telling me um, kind of what the scenario looks like, most likely with Kentucky 
having that eight seed. Yeah, Kentucky, all, I mean, if, <laughs> it's interesting. So Kentucky with a win is a lot. Right now they're the eight. A win locks them into that eight seed, which obviously you'd play the nine, which will either be Georgia or Mississippi State. And if you win that game, you'd get Alabama. So they can fall down to the nine, which really wouldn't matter that much. Uh, with a loss to South Carolina and a win by Mississippi State. But they could move all the way as far as 10, which I – the seven – I forget it was on the seven line, but it might be interesting because you'd avoid Alabama on that second round if you were to get there. So they could move all the way to 10. Uh, if they lose, Mississippi State beats Auburn, Georgia upsets Alabama, uh, they would fall all the way to 10. But I would think – and then if all three teams lose, Kentucky obviously would stay at eight. So I think the most likely case scenario is that they're going to stay at eight just because I think I, – I do think they're going to win this game just because South Carolina is that bad. Not that Kentucky has given me any indications they could go and win a game without playing a lesser opponent at this point in time. Um, but, you know, anything's possible. I, obviously, Auburn's season is done after Saturday, so who knows how hard they're really going to go, uh, just knowing that the game is literally irrelevant to them at that point in time. And then you have um, Georgia going up against Alabama, who is playing for a lot, not necessarily, you know, in terms of seeding because they're locked into the one, but they want to move up in the bracket. They could be a two or two seed. And, you know, if enough teams fall and they win the SEC, maybe a fringe last one seed, probably not. So that game means a lot to them. Yeah, I don't know. I would love to see Kentucky get another chance at them because similar. I want to talk about Gonzaga, too. That was on my list, and that's kind of making a similar point. But at least if Kentucky gets a chance at Alabama, you know, it's about, their chances to accomplish anything of meaning, you know, are pretty much gone at this point, you know, aside from winning the SEC tournament, beating Alabama, um, and then Gonzaga was supposed to come in. What about that? That was on the top of my list. Like, were you surprised when you heard Coach Cal say yesterday on the call-in show that um, Gonzaga was the team that he was trying to – squeeze in the middle of this week and just couldn't make it work I actually wasn't surprised just because I was reading through through the tea leaves with that one but I, <laughs> what why <laughs> just why one I mean I get you want to get your guys experience playing against the best team in the country whatever but <laughs> do you really want to kick the team while it's down I mean yeah, there that was my thing though that was the point I was making I yeah. think I've Honestly, you could make an argument it, was, it would have been a good thing for both teams. I'll start with Gonzaga. The reason for them is, I mean, clearly they're superior team to Kentucky, but it's just going to get them out of their normal, you know, trash conference, travel, most likely, you know, play a big-name school like Kentucky, very similar to, you know, what they'll be seeing in a couple of weeks for the NCAA tournament. So um, I, I feel like that would have been a win for Mark Few and his club. And then, like I said, for Kentucky, that's what just getting They have – there's basically – they can't accomplish anything. So that would have at least been one thing, you know. <laughs> Can you imagine that, dude, if they would have – Ended up beating Gonzaga, and especially if they went on to win the title or something, that would have just been insane. Yeah, I mean, if you win, obviously that's just a huge confidence boost. At this point in time, it's still not even enough to build you a tournament resume. But you're right, it would have been – I mean, I guess uh, my thing is just if you get your ass handed to you at home, (laughs) even though it's the number one team in the country and expected, I mean, this team, you saw at the end of that Ole Miss game, there was emotion. Like, you can tell they are down. They are – genuinely and that's a good thing you know there's the argument oh college kids don't care especially at a school like Kentucky where most of them end up one and done's or you know two and done's and they're done so it's just if they get their asses handed to them and this team's already you know not feeling great about themselves uh, just 
I just feel like it could make things so much worse. It was risky. It would have been risky. And you know what's hilarious, too, is um, how Cal's just been all season harping on how it's the stupidest schedule he's ever put together. What was he thinking? This is all and then his fault. So dumb. That would have been – if they do, if they did, if he – it was really risky, like, you know, hearing you go through that, too. If they did, if they just get absolutely pummeled in Rupp Arena, which is, you know, obviously more likely than them winning the game is them just getting oh. absolutely just handled – uh, yeah, that would have been a tough one to go on the Zoom conference and kind of answer for a long time to come. So who knows? I know that – so that the reason that I got, I guess, was that the SEC wouldn't allow them to, like, squeeze it in the middle. Was that, the, was that right? Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, I, I don't know why because they obviously play the, you know, the Big 12 SEC challenge in the middle, but that's, I guess, under contract every year or whatnot. But – and this year was just so weird with COVID that – there were a lot of games like that where they were just either makeup games or, you know, our game got scratched, your game got scratched, let's play type of thing. But, yeah, I, I don't know. I just don't think, you know, like you said, he already complained about the schedule he made, which was definitely a mistake. But, well, looking back at it, you know, some of the teams uh, didn't end up so great. I mean, I don't know if you saw Richmond yeah, today. Richmond, I know, yeah. they, were, they were only the eighth seed in there you know, not so great conference to begin with. And then they lost to a school whose name most people can't pronounce. So <laughs> it's not as bad as losing to Evansville, but it's not that far behind. Yeah, I did see that with Richmond and stuff not not coming out firing in their conference like everyone thought. I think they played them on a Sunday and stuff, and you oh. really thought that it was going to be, uh, you know, a, a tournament team. I know that was the – everyone was saying that the whole weekend before they matched up with them. But, um, well, all right, let's get back to – so you talked about the SEC tournament – um, so one of the biggest takeaways from, from the Ole Miss game, obviously, was like, because you know, Aaron, it's always a sign of great continuity and a good basketball season. When the last game before of the regular season, you're trying to discuss who your backcourt is and who the point guard is, which is kind of exactly what Kentucky's doing. Um, end of the season, you know, so it seems like Davion Mintz is going to get some run at point guard. Gosh, Jacob Toppin was even playing some two. So, again, mixing up the backcourt this late, at, um, you know, probably a very good indicator that you've only have eight wins. But who knows? You know, he had a season high, eight assists. Um, I agree with Cal. I don't know if you heard him say that. I do think that, uh, you know, we just watching as fans and stuff on TV, like you really, you know, don't put a lot of stock into how much it takes out of someone dribbling the ball, taking on all that pressure um, and just wearing them out. Um, defensive end, too, you know, you have to – account for how hard he plays on D. So I don't know if that's going to work, but uh, what are your thoughts on Mintz playing some point? Yeah, I mean, why not? <laughs> he's just he's, – he's thrown up the assist numbers. Uh, obviously, he's been uh, the most consistent shooter on this team, so maybe gives him a chance to create his own looks a little bit. But at this point, like you said, one, it's a problem that they don't have this figured out and didn't have this figured out, I don't know, two months ago. Uh, and – but at this point, why not? I mean, like, at this point, put Riley Welch in. It doesn't – it really doesn't matter. They should give Riley some run. But uh, it reminds me of football, too, because uh, if memory serves me correct, we pretty much ended the football season with many people still in debate on who was the quarterback, who should be the quarterback. Um, and, again, it kind of spells for not a great season because that's the, the head of uh, both squads there in either sport. So, I don't know, man. I say you got – like you said, you got to give it a try. I still still think they just need to play fast get shots early in the shot clock. I've been saying that they've almost worked their scoring average up to 70 points now for the season. And uh, we saw it on a, a Tuesday night, man, just those low 60s clunkers. I can't even tell you how many games this team 
has freaking played in the low 60s. It's insane. Like, they've played so many games between 60 and 65 points. Um, it's just – it's disgusting. Yeah. And, you know, I think another story of this season is obviously the losses are just piling up. And when you lose, you're going to lose to teams you haven't lost to before. But some of these teams just have had epic losing streaks against Kentucky uh, that they've been able to snap. I mean, Georgia dating back to the 2013 season. I think Ole Miss, this might have been the – I think I know it's only their second win against Cal since he's come here. I think it was 2012, maybe something like that. Um, so, trying to think, there was another one in there. Uh, oh, Alabama winning at Rupp Arena and Arkansas beating mm-hmm. Kentucky both had really long losing streaks. So, all those over, and that's why I keep saying, what a slap in the face it would be if you're matched up with Mississippi State um, in the SEC tournament, the only team Cal hasn't lost to um, in the conference yet, and it's them who knocks you out. If you had to do name one thing, Aaron, that Kentucky could kind of dominate at the SEC tournament or, or do their best at, um, what would it be? It's got to be defending and holding teams down to those, like you said, those 60s and maybe giving your offense a shot to do just enough. I mean, that's the strength of this team all year, um, with the exception of a few games, is they're a pretty good defensive squad. They block a lot of shots, especially – uh, with Isaiah Jackson being probably the best shot blocker in the country. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think you, you'd have to rely on your defense to really shut a team down and give your opportunity for the offense to do just enough. This team is just so frustrating, man. Like, Tuesday night, what the hell getting just dominated on the glass, like, like minus 16 or whatever it was. I don't know. Like, it's just, it's just like they find new ways to win games. It's like, you know, they'll do something, you, you know, for a minute you'll think, damn, this team is – they're not that bad at shooting. They're proving they can do that a little bit. And they run, you know, play fast, and then they get out-rebounded or they miss all their free throws. And it's just one thing after another. And so, I mean, this ultimately it's, it's going to be an offensive drought that ends their season, whether – whenever oh, it yeah. is, whether it's Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or – potentially even in the NCAA tournament, they just go through these scoring droughts and they're just, they're not good enough. To, you know, they don't score enough points in, in the non-droughts to, to overcome it. And it, it can be painful. And B.J. Boston's kind of back to his old self struggling and he really oh. needed to pick it up, I think, ultimately for this team. But what, what, what about if Kentucky was to make it all the way to Sunday? Um, Terrence Clark comes out of the tunnel. Kentucky wins the <laughs> SEC tournament. That's about the only scenario I can see that just like, you know, erases the bad taste of, of this season. Yeah, yeah uh, winning the SEC tournament and getting somehow uh, into March and making the short drive up to Indy would be the only way that makes this an acceptable season. And I wouldn't even call it acceptable. All right, that's, one- a good, that's a good question because I want to I ask you that, Aaron. Then. So let's say that Kentucky did – so if Kentucky wins the SEC tournament, that Sunday everyone's going to be hyped. Even the most – you know, the pessimistic people, I think, for the most part – Everyone's going to be on Twitter hyping it up, you know, blah, blah, blah. But there'll be an entire week, I guess, removed, you know, to the NCAA tournament. So let's say that was to happen. Kentucky gets in and then they do lose in the first round or even the first weekend. Is there any sense they keep that joy or is it just like, you know, time's going to erase it really quick and they're going to still hate this whole season? Uh, I mean, I think you definitely credit the run they made to get there um and obviously that's something to be celebrated and this team could be remembered as one that just simply didn't quit but it's still gonna leave a sour taste in your mouth I mean you can't even reach uh 10 regular season wins a losing conference record and I know the SEC is much improved but still 
you know, it's a conference Kentucky's won 49 times and every other school has won a combined 49 times. And you're going to have a losing record in it, um, a losing record on the season by a lot, losses to some teams that you would never imagine you lose to. So I can't, I can't imagine by – unless they cut down the nets in Indy, <laughs> I right. don't see at all being thought of as a good season or even one to remember. But, you know, obviously you would have to give this team a lot of credit for fight and being one that just never quit if they did win in Nashville. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was getting at. I think Kentucky expectations are still going to be the same. In the short term, it'll be great. And I think everyone will have, like, short-term memory loss just for all the stuff they said and how they felt. But uh, ultimately, whenever, you know, whatever point it comes, they play poorly, they lose, it'll all come crashing down. So I'm still optimistic. I think Kentucky can at least, if nothing else, if they do get to the – quarterfinals play Alabama or whoever it is you know they're good enough to make things interesting when they're making shots they're you know they're dangerous so still optimistic to at least enjoy this weekend um but ultimately I'm, I've you know they've disproven to win it they haven't won four games in a row all year so I mean that's kind of says all you need to know yeah and they've only won three in a row twice <laughs> I mean that's not yeah they just can't seem to get over that hump when they hit the third win and even the <laughs> and you know they've other than Tennessee, Florida, and Moorhead State, they haven't had a game where you just felt like they were going to win from tip to start, uh, from tip to uh, finish. Yes. So that it, <laughs> that's three wins out of your eight right now that actually felt comfortable and, like, quality, quality wins. Yeah, I agree. I know. I'm, well, I said, I'll be cheering, man. I think it's still – hopefully give us an enjoyable weekend. Whenever they do bounce, I at least hope it's like 78 to 83 and not 71 to 60 because, like, I'm just – I'm so over, man. I cannot watch this team, um, str- you know, struggle to score the ball and then miss free throws and all, you know, stuff to just beat themselves like they did on Tuesday, not hitting the glass. But um, I guess it'll be the last time we talk until the – you know, we'll, I guess we'll get a couple in before the SEC tournament, but – we won't talk before South Carolina. So I said, I'll be in the building at Rupp Arena. So um, follow my coverage, which I guess will be not much other than sitting up top and watching. But I'm excited to at least get in there once. Yeah, not many people can say they've done it here. So, it'll, you know, I think they win that game. I really have a hard time believing that they would lose to a South Carolina team that's just not good and also has been decimated all year. But <laughs> you can't count them out uh, this year. Well, have a safe week. We appreciate everybody again listening. Thanks for shooting in um, the question. And uh, we will catch up with everybody next week.